thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, Mums the Word listeners, thanks for tuning in again to our podcast. You're listening to Kaz Jaff, and this week we have Nicola Smith on as our guest, and we are talking about instilling the joy of reading, especially in our little ones these days. They're living in such a technological, tech-savvy world where maybe holding a book is not a in their common daily uh, tasks. So um, it's just so pertinent that we actually do this episode. A bit more about Nicola. She's a primary school teacher, a literacy specialist, and a mother of two. She has taught in Amsterdam as well as Melbourne. And since pausing her teaching career to be a full-time mum, she's continued to pursue her passion in researching children's early literacy skills. She aims to empower parents to support their children's early literacy development in those all-important years from birth to school age. You're going to love this episode. I did too. And uh, enjoy. Share and share alike. Hey, Nicola, so excited to have you on Mum's The Word. I know you're a listener of the show, so it's extra special to have you on. Please tell the listeners all about yourself. Um, Hi, Kaz. It's nice to be here. Um, I'm a teacher and a mother, most of all. So um, I'm on maternity leave now. I've got two young kids. I've got a nook who's three years old and Ewan is nine months old today. Um, So I guess... um, When I've been on maternity leave between my two children, I went back to work and my role was primarily as a literacy support teacher. Um, So building on from that, um, I was uh, taught in the international school in Amsterdam before that. And so all those experiences have really given me um, a really conscious um, awareness, I guess, of how children learn language and how children learn to read. So from watching and observing my own children and from teaching in the international context and then watching children struggle with reading um, in my job in Melbourne, um, it's really given me a chance to explore and research the way that um, children learn to read and the experiences they have before starting school. Um, um, I've had some interest from a lot of my mum's friends just on how they can um, instill a passion for reading and that's really been my starting point. Um, just watching children start school and seeing where they are with reading and there's such a wide variety of experiences. I think in um, the Victorian school context in particular, when children start school, they don't actually have a specific um, set of experiences that they come to school with. They may have been to kindergarten, they may have been to full-time childcare, um, but their formal schooling starts when they start, um, we call it prep or um, foundation in Victoria. Um, So they can come, you know, knowing very few letters and sounds. They can come not knowing how to hold a book all the way through to, you know, we do get a few rare exceptions of children who have learnt to read already. So... um, I guess my drive and my passion has been to um, research, um, kind of backfill the story, I guess, from birth to five years and what it is that helps children learn to read and what we can do to help children. Yeah, I mean, there's such a need in this day and age to obviously instill a love of 
the book itself. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not strange to, to, for you to hear that there are kids out there almost swiping with their two fingers to try and enlarge, enlarge words on pages and, and to try and swipe a page like that. They actually just don't know um, how a book works. And I mean, it, it is disgraceful, of course. And um, I was always a, a passionate reader as a child. And to think that, you know, my kids wouldn't have that, it's just, it's so far removed. But there are people out there who... Yeah, whether they don't have time or, or they see that's a move a move with the times, things have really yeah. changed. Maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, it's, it's a really um, teaching such a challenge these days because we're teaching children, um, we're focusing more on the skills that they need for um, the jobs they'll have in the futures because, of course, we don't actually know what the, those jobs are going to be. So um, as you say, Kaz, if you um, think back to when we were young and our whole home was filled with print and words that no longer exist. You know, we had TV guides and phone books and encyclopedias and maps and, I don't know, travel guides and dictionaries and even the common newspaper. And we don't have those lying around anymore. So um, if you think even of yourself as a role model, children are seeing us swipe a phone to get all that information, even to see what the weather's going to be, whereas there were so many different modes of literacy for them to have modelled to them in the past. Um, and so literacy, it's still such a fundamental skill and a springboard for um, all other areas of learning. Um, and in terms of giving children skills for the future, they need to become really um, proficient in literacy and also really critical of um, the reading they're doing and of the literacy skills that um, they're um, using and adapting to things as well. So um, in terms of um, a lot of the jobs now, in terms of brands and building brands um, and tapping into um, the community, you need to be able to tell a story. So um an article I read it recently was about being able to articulate your story behind your brand um, because that's what people connect with and this whole art of storytelling and of oral storytelling um, is also something that we need to teach and maintain as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's funny listening to all of this. Well, I guess it's not funny. It's just really um, pertinent to me at the moment because I have a prep child and, and also happen to have one that was born overseas and, and now with with another language well it was her language but basically learning to read as well and I see I see how we start to see signs on streets and her asking and her curiosity so luckily around there is enough letters on shops and um, and signs that she's got a bit of an interest as well but the the junior principal when I met him he said you know we're really not teaching kids these days you know what to learn we're teaching them how to learn definitely and, and you know he said he pulled out his phone and said it's all here so yeah. I can imagine as a teacher there's a lot of challenges out there um because the times are changing and they're changing very very quickly yeah and I think it's important to um have a broad mind of what literacy is as well. So it's reading, it's writing, it's speaking and it's listening and it incorporates that technology aspect as well and that's really important and it's a really valid mode of um, literacy but we've just got to um, realise, as you say, how to use it and use it effectively. Um, so I guess if I want to kind of go on and maybe give the listeners some information on um, um, what's what really has an impact on children and their ability to learn to read um, and maybe give them some tips on um, how how they can go about that because um, there's no right 
Yeah, there's no right way to read with your child, but there's certainly so much we can do to enhance the experience um, and help them develop those skills ready for school. I mean, a lot of it is common sense, so I'm hoping that um, listeners will be able to go, oh, yeah, tick, 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 yeah, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. But, you know, they might just pick up a few tips along the way as well. Great, yeah. Um, so I guess the biggest um, influencer in learning to read is the size of a child's vocabulary. So when children start school, um, if we um, look at their vocabulary, um, that actually has the biggest impact. And um, there's a principal in, I think, rural New South Wales who started a program where rather than getting um, assistance in teaching the children learn to read, he's actually got a speech pathologist in because he says the crisis isn't about um, children coming to school and not knowing what to do with a book. It's that they actually don't know how to talk and they can't compose a sentence and they can't um, articulate their feelings and they can't, um, you know, have a hold a conversation and um, string three thoughts together um, and, you know, recount what they've done on the weekend or whatever. So um, I guess my my biggest thing that I always talk to parents about is actually just talking with your child. Um, and I've got um, five, five tips, I guess, the five R's for vocabulary development that can just really help expand your child's vocabulary. And obviously, the more words they have in their head and the more words they use, then when they come to looking at them on the page, they're going to recognise them. It's not going to be a foreign language for them. That makes sense, yeah. So the first thing I um, would suggest is to rephrase. So when we're teaching children to talk, you don't um, correct them and say, no, that's not right when they say, um, you know, I swimmed at the swimming pool or I goed for a walk. But just if you rephrase what they say back to them when they're, um, you know, in that... Um, one and a half to two and a half years of learning to talk, um, just being a correct um, role model and um, rephrasing things back to them. Yeah. Um, responding. So I know it's really annoying when you have a toddler who asks why, why, why all the time, but the more you can answer those whys and satisfy um, that curiosity and, you know, open up discussions and um, I think one of the best responses to why questions once your child, you know, has um, enough vocabulary to um, compose thoughts and sentences is to say, well, I wonder what do you think? You know, that's a really nice way to open up conversation and just um, get them curious about the world. I think, again, one of the, um, the greatest tragedies is when children come to school and they start losing that curiosity. If you don't keep that curiosity going and that um, love for the world and that um, questioning and that wondering, then um, that can get stamped out pretty quickly once children start school. Mm -hmm. There's for knowledge itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just, yeah, just letting them find their own little passions and making their own inquiries and discoveries. And I think the childcare system here is fantastic at kind of building on children's natural interests and, um, you know, making mini investigations with that as well. Um, the third little tip I have is repeating. So children need to hear a word many times before they're able to use it themselves. So just have fun and play with language. I know um, my daughter's childcare centre, they read a book recently with the word splendid in it. And one of the kids said, oh, what does splendid mean? And um, you know, the teacher explained what splendid meant and modelled it to them a couple of times and then by the end of the day every child was walking around going, oh, mummy, I just had such a splendid day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's where I know sometimes 
or my husband, for example, finds like the old nursery rhymes and traditional tales really dull and boring. But that's where we actually introduce a whole lot of new vocabulary that we wouldn't normally um, use in everyday language. So if you think about like water spout and incuency spider and the cellar and, and meadow and um, enchanted, all those sorts of um, slightly more obscure words, they, they certainly have a place in our vocabulary. And by using them and reading those stories over and over again, that really expands um, children's vocabulary as well. Um, and on that, the difference between reading to your child and talking to your child, um, if we think about there are 200 high-frequency words which we use regularly at one end of the scale and then there's um, all the rare words like those um, ones you come up with in nursery rhymes um, that are very rarely used. And if a parent's talking to a three-year-old, they would use approximately nine rare words per thousand. But if you read to your child on a regular basis, you're exposing them to three times more rare words. So um, it's just really valuable to keep exposing them to those new um, new language and new words. And, you know, rather than just saying I'm happy, you can say I'm radiant or ecstatic or jolly or I don't know joyful or Cheery. you know just yeah, yeah just have, just having such fun with you know all the synonyms as well um and just you know that they, they become an expert on certain words by reading books as well if they're reading a book about construction they you know start to learn what a digger and a scaffold and a skyscraper you know and once they've read those words and they've heard them in context a few times, they're able to um, use those words themselves as well. Yeah. And then um, the fourth R I have is reflecting and recounting. So just um, talking through your experiences each day. You know, I know we're all so busy and it's really easy to get home in the afternoon and give the kids dinner and read them a quick story and, um, you know, get them into bed as quickly as possible. But if you can just make sure you spend a couple of minutes each day going, well, what was your favourite part of the day and why did you like that? And, you know, talking about things that have happened in their day, um, you know, it, it helps them cement those experiences and it puts them into their longer term memory as well. And that all really helps increase their vocabulary um, and just being able to articulate um, their own experiences. On that point, I, I find if I asked uh, my, my prep child, so almost six-year-old, um, how her day was, I don't get very much. And that's whether that's just low blood sugar needs to eat when I pick her up. And then if I ask her after I've read the book and it's ready time to sleep, of course that's when there's a lot of mm -hmm. energy and I don't want to <laughs> I get so much more information out of her and the conversation flows all around at that 7.30 time and you yeah. know, I do get a lot more and, okay, maybe that's the time to cement. But that's when we do a lot of reflection. Definitely. She's had time to get some more, I get more out the experiences. Of her. Yeah. yeah. And she's had time to kind of, um, I guess, absorb those experiences and maybe reflect on them slightly herself and maybe, um, you know, kind of compose and um, just be a little bit more articulate once she's, you know, had that break from school and then able to come back to it as well. Yeah. That's yeah. And then um, my last point is just reading and rhyming and singing and talking. And like I said, if you read, you're exposing them to so many more words um, than if you're just talking. And even if you think of the other role models your child has um, aside from you, um, 
you know, grandma uses words that you don't use and, um, you know, your friends will use um, particular words and you kind of end up with these words that are only in your family um, or, you know, culturally specific words. You know, they, they absorb language from other people, not just from you. So the more role models they have, the better really. Um, and just rhyming and singing and all those um, books that have, you know, all the onomatopoeia in. So, um, I know the Harry McClary series are fantastic for pittery, pattery and clickety-clackety and swishy-swashy and kids love that kind of um, the sound of language and the music of language and just um, enjoying that together as well is really important. And, of course, the Dr Zeus books as well. I mean, there's so many rhyming words there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, that I mean, that's how children learn. So babies learn best those repeated syllable words like mama, babad, papa, you know, um, I think my daughter's first word was dog, dog. So they find it a lot easier um, to remember and repeat those words that have a rhyme and rhythm and a pattern to them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. coming back to those high frequency words, I, I mean, that's something that I'd see now in, in the um, um, curriculum and we're obviously mm-hmm. having to go through them and do memory and all these sort of things with them and she gets placed from one book words I know to words I'm words I'm learning to words I know but I I thought we were going to be doing 400 this year in the prep year I think wow yeah I think there's 400 (laughs) we're going to be doing they said by the end of the year they'll know 400 of these high frequency words yeah it's um it's funny I'm obviously a teacher and you know when you've got a class of nearly you know 20 to 30 children that that is the way you have to sort of approach that and teach that but the more that we can expose children to those words in a more natural setting and just in a um, sort of sitting down and reading and loving books together in a relaxed setting you know the, the better chance they are going to have of um, just picking those up you know more by osmosis than by you know learning a rote list of words mm-hmm. um, and again that's you know we learn words through rhythm and rhyme and if you think about you know your daughter for example when she was first pointing out letters of her name and letters in the alphabet like that's that's sort of the more natural process and it just can snowball from there um and you know say the words that and you find it you can spend a whole night or whatever just looking for the word that in the book and finding it on every page and going through and um you know reading the sentence and then finding the words that look the same on every page um school yeah schools do teach it that way but you know only 50 percent of words in english can actually be phonetically sounded out as well so learning the names of the letters and the sounds of the letters um definitely has a place but it's a fairly long and drawn out process because children need to learn to understand that how the sounds in the words work um, and that they're made out of speech sounds and then they need to connect them to the written letters on the page and they need to know that the spaces mean that's, um, you know, one word begins and one word ends and they need to know what direction to read the words in. And if you've kind of done all the groundwork for your children start school and read lots of books together and talked about, you know, oh, this page actually doesn't even have any words and where do I start reading on this page? And, you know, that's the kind of stuff we actually assess when they come to school. So we, we, we pick up a book and we say, um, you know, where do I start reading on this page and can you show me where the title is and um, um, can you tell me where a picture is on the page and where a word is and just see if they've got all those pre-reading skills to um you know, to launch into actually um, putting together the words and reading the story. Yeah, it's really it's really amazing to watch how all the pieces of the puzzle come together. 
Yeah, definitely. But I think the more you can do, um, um, and if I can just spend a minute talking about being a role model, then um, definitely. Yeah, I think that can definitely help as well. So um, if you can set up your environment at home to you know, be as conducive as possible to reading, then um, I think you're really going to be onto a good start. So um, the studies that say that um, homes that are filled with print and words, you know, that has such an influence um, on children's learning for their whole life. So the more that you have um, not just books on the bookshelf in their bedroom and not just, you know, the special books up high where you can only touch them if it's a special occasion, but, you know, children need to see you read. Um, They need to have a special place to read, but even just having a little basket in every room so that they've got a little um, basket of books, whatever they're doing, whatever they're playing with, you know, you don't just restrict reading to night time because that's often when we're tired and we just want to get to the end of a book as well. But when they wake up, you know, on a rainy day, you can take books to a cafe and read them at the breakfast table. Um, Even when you've got having a play date, you know, you can take time out to have some quiet time with your friends and read a story together um, and swap books and library time, go to library time together. I think that's really undervalued these days. Um, As you say, just with your daughter when you're out and about, just reading signs and menus in cafes and, um, you know, bus timetables or um, posters at school, all those sorts of things are just ways to sneak in some incidental reading. Um, Mem Fox talks about trying to read three books and recite five nursery rhymes a day. Um, She says that children need to hear a thousand stories before they can actually start learning to read. So, it sounds a lot, but if you think about, you know, all the times in the day where you can just stop and pick up a book and I find it's a really great way to reset and refocus my children. So if they're having a tantrum or um, they're upset about something, they've hurt their knee and, um, you know, that's the end of the world when you're three years old and it takes a long time to recover from. But if you can sit down and um, read a story together, pick a favourite book off the shelf, that often is just a great opportunity to reset as well. Yeah, I mean, I I love my two. You know, they each get to pick, you know, they get to choose and, you know, they get one each night and, you know, obviously most nights it ends up being one each just because. (laughs) But, but, you know, they're, they're really involved and they get to choose and sometimes we're reading the same book with one of them for four nights and the other time it's every night a different story. But it's just more that they get to be involved as well. You know, they love they love to choose, you know, and I'm not just talking about reading books. It's with everything they like to have, they like to get their say in and know yes. that their voice is heard as well. Yeah, so definitely letting them choose books. And I have a lot of parents ask me, um, oh, my goodness, they just want to read the same book again and again. And that is so important because, um, as you say, children love predictability. They love routine. They love knowing things. So if you give them a book um, that they've read again and again and again, they start picking up the sounds of the language. They start being able to um, read the book from memory before they can actually read the words on the page, and that's a really legitimate form of literacy as well, being able to retell the story or recount the story, um, you know, from their own mind. Um, So, yeah, it's perfect that you're doing that, and I know it can drive us nuts, but it's a really important um, way to um, enjoy books and um, explore stories as well. Um, 
And I guess if you can create a little, a special little place for reading, as well as having the books scattered all around the house, or even though it might drive you nuts, um, you know, so that reading becomes a really special, a physical and tactile experience. And as you said, with your children, it's interactive as well. It's not just let's start the book, finish the book, and I don't want any interruptions because I need to get you to bed and go and clean up the kitchen. It's, um, you know, actually taking the time to slow down and explore books together and ask questions, um, you know, what do you think the story might be about? What might happen next, you know, and then reflecting at the end, what was your favourite part? Um, you know, if you could change the story, what, how would you change it? What would you do differently? Um, and letting them hold the book as well so that they actually learn, you know, what a book feels like. And, you know, some books are really tactile. Some books even have a, a special smell and just talking about all that together just so that they really start to appreciate and love um, books themselves. Oh, well, we love that that's not my series. So, the you know, with the scratchy yeah. or the squishy or the squashy exactly. or the fluffy. I mean, they've been great and we're using them the second round now. But the other one that we've been reading is um, – with you push some buttons, I'm trying to think. Uh, the lady who wrote the Gruffalo, she's you know the one. Oh, Julia Donaldson. Yeah, Julia Donaldson. She's amazing. All her, all her series. So there's one with the ladybird, and you get to you know, um, yeah. push all the animal, make sounds, and we're, we're stuck on that one at the moment. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all those all those interactive books are fantastic, and um, boys particularly can be um, they can they can become quite hard to it can be quite hard to keep them passionate about reading. Um, if you think about all the role models your children have, unfortunately, through school and through libraries and often um, just, you know, I'm making a generalisation here, but if you think of, um, you know, a lot of children are spending more time at home with their mothers, um, there's really quite a lack of male role models for boys out there um, in terms of reading. And dads do tend to default to taking them outside and kicking a footy. Um, and so if you think about boys and their development, it's about the age of six where they start to detach from their or, or separate slightly from their mums and they start seeing themselves as male. And it's really important that we don't, um, that they don't start seeing reading as a female activity. So if you can get um, any male role model in your family to make sure they read books with boys as well, um, just to keep them interested and keep them passionate about reading and keep them excited about um, sitting down to read stories, especially because boys tend to fidget and default to um active kind of play as well um, and that's where those interactive books can be quite fun so if they don't want to sit down and, and listen to a story those ones with the pushing buttons and um, the flaps and um, do you know the book press here where they have to press buttons on the page to get to the next page and um, there's particular books where there's um, transparent layers and you create different animals yourself it's kind of like the modern choose your own adventure type books that we yeah, had when we were yeah, well, younger were, I mean I never got into those choose your own adventures yeah um but yeah they were around all the ways but also what would you what would you sort of um say with the books I know when I was little there were books that you know they had my name in it I thought oh they're reading to me you know it was all about yeah. me but you're listening and that might say jingle turn the page what about those kind of audio books in children definitely audio books um I think um the the advantage of audiobooks is it's all about reading aloud. So, you know, if you don't have the time, you can you can put on an audiobook and that's just another mode for children to um, hear books read aloud. But um, it's not until children, I think it's about the age of 14, so about grade 8, that their um, listening vocabulary and their reading vocabulary um, 
match up, if you like, so they can um, listen and understand a story at a much more sophisticated level than they can actually read themselves. So your ch- when your children start school, you might kind of stop reading aloud to them and think, oh, you know, that's, you know, they get read aloud to at school. They actually don't get read aloud to nearly enough at school, especially in the older grades. So um, even as your children, I know we're focusing on birth to five here, but even as your children grow older and throughout primary school, if you can still spend some time reading aloud to them, um, that's, that's still a really legitimate and really um, important um, way to um, explore books as well. And these days it's so easy. I mean, I think we've even got the, the faraway tree on audiobook. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think Kate Winslet reads that. So. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's, there's so many things accessible for us these days. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's where they see you making mistakes as well and um, seeing you as, as a reader yourself. So, you know, it, it's actually okay if your children are playing nicely to sit there and read a book and let them see you reading and see you reading for pleasure or reading for information. You know, we, you might just be sitting down and reading a novel and probably doesn't happen very often, but, you know, kids see you reading recipes and they see, um, you know, um, don't let them just always see you reading on the phone. We almost have to make a conscious effort of it these days. But if you can see, let them see you reading, um, you know, proper books and paper uh, novels and that sort of thing as well and, um and also making mistakes when you're reading aloud. So I think the other day oh, it was the word cacophony and my husband read it cacophony and we just had a real giggle about it mm-hmm. um, um, just so that they see that we're human and we're learning and that, you know, the journey of, of learning never really stops, um, you know, and even from birth, literacy does begin at birth. So, um, you know, I think my daughter had her first book read to her well, in utero, yeah, but when she was a few hours old in the hospital. So um, it, it's actually never, never too early to start. No, no. Well, great. I mean, amazing tips. I mean, you've given some great things also to not only get uh, the kids ready for school, but also just some things just in your daily life around. I mean, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to say in terms of um, influencing the kids in learning to read, whether it be external, outside the home or, or internal, or you pretty much covered it? Um, I think so. I think also, um, I think I've probably mentioned it already, but just um, asking lots of questions as you read and just having conversations around books as well. Um, and you'll notice once once your children do have those books that they repeatedly read over and over again um, and really enjoy, then they're going to start using the language from those books we talked about at the beginning with vocabulary. So, um, you know, all those, those quirky words that come up in books um, I know, for example, um, we read um, all those Harry McClary books, which I mentioned, and there's um, a whole lot of just really fun um, swishy, swashy and tatter-batter-scatter and all that kind of language that you wouldn't otherwise get just from everyday talking. So um, making connections as well. So, um, oh, we like this book called Pig the Pug. Well, do you know there's another book about a a dog um, that's a pug? It's called, you know, say hello to Zorro so maybe we can read that one and you know even having discussions over what subject matter you like and let's find some other books about the same topic or let's find some other books about a bear or um, bedtime stories and um, or you know even the non-fiction books if you like penguins let's see if we can find some more books about penguins and that's where you can um, you know your, your local bookshop um has a total advantage over, you know, Booktopia or um, Book Depository or whatever because you can have discussions with 
the booksellers and they're fabulous at making recommendations as well. Definitely. Well, I know more about dinosaurs now than I ever have before. (laughs) (laughs) Not joking. That's Um, a really useful skill set. Yeah, right, right. So, um, well, it's it's actually a joy having one of each in that respect. Um, Definitely. I'd love to hear an an affirmational quote uh, to share with the listeners and its meaning to you. Um, I think there's an author called Emile Bushwald and um, she says that children are made readers on the laps of their parents and I think that's just... It's such a lovely way to think about reading and, you know, yes, it's something we learn and that we learn at school, but it's it should just also be part of your everyday experience and everyday life. And um, children do learn to read without formally being taught to read and that's not what I'm saying we need to do, but um, the more you expose children to those experiences, um, the easier it's going to be from them when they start school and the more fun they're going to have with it and just, you know, be inspired about um, reading. Well, it's almost like choosing healthy food as well. You know, you want to model that and let them see that and then they'll choose that for themselves whether they're with you or without you and the same thing you want them to to love books with or without you. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, one of the best ways to get them um, to sort of that gradual release of responsibility to um, letting them read um, by themselves is if you um, give them a little book light and say um, you can either go to sleep or you can have five minutes with your light on to look at books, most children are going to do whatever they can to resist sleep. So if you give them five minutes and say I'll come and turn the light off in five minutes, like that's where the magic happens and that's where you see, um, you know, they can flick through books and it just becomes part of their everyday experience, just, you know, rereading the stories that you've read with them or picking up their own and just um, retreating into their own little magical world. I think one of my other favourite quotes is, um, you know, the book Matilda by Roald Dahl mm-hmm. um, and she says the books transported her into new worlds and introduced her to amazing people who lived exciting lives and I think that's where books, you know, can be really powerful of um, in teaching us of places and experiences and, you know, emotions and feelings outside of our own experience and helping build that worldview as well. Well, there's nothing sweeter than walking in on your child and seeing them all sound asleep, but especially if there's a book next to them a book. Kind of on top <laughs> or of on it. top of their face. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, it gives you a sort of a little heart, a little flutter as well, you know. Um, Definitely. You know, as a listener, you know Mum's the Word's all about building community and making um, sure that mums out there know that we're all we're all in the same boat and, um, you know, all around the world and we've all, got, we've all got wins and we've all got losses and struggles. And, and I guess I'd really love you to share if there was a time that, that you struggled and, and what you did to get out of it, whether it was personally or professionally. Yeah, so I was, um, I was thinking about this and I'm, I've kind of, I guess my personal struggle that, that's kind of connected to the professional struggle is... Um, with the birth of my little boy, I um, really struggled and just felt a really um, strong sense of overwhelm and vulnerability. And um, I think being in that state, I was so keen and eager to try and find answers, um, which is actually, you know, without going into it too much, where you came in and helped me when I had a little boy with um, reflux. And I just felt like I was getting such an information overload. I was reading so much because I was just so keen to find answers and so eager to help him Um, and you know I had doctors and midwives and naturopaths and dietitians and chiropractors and you know every everyone and I think when you're in that state of vulnerability it's really hard to kind of put a filter on and just calm yourself down and follow your intuition 
And um, I think connecting that back to a professional um, sort of context is um, we need to teach children to be really critical of information, especially in this digital age. So for me, I had to go, okay, well, I've got all this information, now I need to filter through it and learn it and decide what to do with it, what sits well with me, what what do I think is going to work, what do I think are the um, answers that are going to help me um, and just, um, you know, surround yourself with the people who you trust and you know and who make you feel safe Yeah, and whose advice you know you, know, you can depend on really. Yeah, yeah. Well, as yeah. as a, a mum of two little ones, and you know, nights of different sleep and uh, different levels of sleep, what drives you and what gets you up in the morning, Nicola? <laughs> what drives me and gets me up? Normally, pitter pattering feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, um, it it is. It's the pitter patter of my three year old's feet, and it's not her coming into our bed. I hear her sneak into her little brother's bed um, with books under her arm. Uh, it's the first thing she reaches for in the morning. She hears her little brother and she creeps into his cot and I just hear her reading to him. And so I think, um, you know, on, on a broader level, it's just watching watching children learn and um, watching them love life and watching them learn um, is just, I don't think there's anything better really. No, watching them um, love each other is also yeah, special. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I know there's a, a little girl that... Um, I've been tutoring in reading as well and she's she's always sort of struggled to keep up um, with the um, the average bar that's set at school. So I've um, been tutoring her for that and her mum came to me one day and said, oh, I found her in bed last night and she was asleep with a book on top of her face. So she'd been reading by herself under the covers with her nightlight and her mum was like, that's the first time I've ever seen her pick up a book and read for pleasure. And just, you know, knowing that she got to that um, point of not hating books and not being scared of reading and not um, being frightened of words on the page um, because she'd always sort of struggled in this school context but had actually found a book that she enjoyed. Um, I think, funnily enough, it was Matilda by Roald Dahl, um, you know, find, <laughs> finding her, um, you know, finding what switches them on and what's their passion and, you know, what's what are they going to... Um, it's the same with adults, isn't it, when you find a book that you can't put down, there's, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, what's, a, you know, what's a, some advice you would have to maybe a mum out there um, you know, related to reading or not that you just want to share as a mum yourself um, or even what you would want to tell your younger self as a mum, just giving some advice back? I think um, I mentioned it slightly with my struggle, but finding your safe people, um, you know, the more you surround yourself with your safe people, the people that you trust and the people whose advice you trust and the people who make you feel good about you, um, you know, rather than spending time with people who don't make you feel good. Um, And, you know, you can connect that to reading too. With kids, they need to have um, people they feel safe with and who give them the confidence um, and give them the joy as well. Definitely. And I think that can change over time, you know. Yeah, definitely. Pre-children and post-children or... Yeah, definitely. You and I uh, post-integration back into Melbourne after living in Amsterdam, (laughs) etc. Lots of similarities there. What would And it's to do with your connections with people as well and, you know, the um, similarities you have or the commonalities you have as well. Totally, totally. And what's some of the best advice that you ever received? Um, That's a good question. 
Um, I think just just for me it's just following your intuition and especially with kids um, and, you know, the, the plethora of information that's out there and, you know, all the advice you get and um, everything that people tell you what to do. If you can just, you know, take on some advice and sit with it for a bit and go, um, is this going to work for me or am I really going to struggle with this or um, is this going to help me or is it um, actually going to make me feel more anxious about things um, and just let it sit with you, talk it through with people and um, and go with, go with what your heart says. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the tummy test as well. I think we, yeah. we instinctively know anyway. Um, yeah, with certain things. and you know that's the same with schooling and with your kids as well. You know, if if you're given some advice on that and um, it doesn't sit well with you, then don't follow it. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. And what about some invaluable resources uh, related to literacy or parenting that you'd love to share with the listeners? Um, so there's a there's a couple of um, really great um, books out there for parents to read on how to read with your children. Um, Reading Magic by Mem Fox is um, it's a great little read for parents just on how to um, go about reading with your children and um, instill passion in your children for reading. Um, there's another one that's maybe slightly more for, for educators and references a lot more research called The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. Mm -hmm. um, but that, um, that talks a lot about the... Um, boys and reading as well and making sure they have a male role model as well. So, um, And that actually comes with a, a huge anthology of specific books um, that he recommends as well. Um, in terms of websites, I can't really go past authors' websites themselves. Authors obviously are onto a good thing if they've got best-selling kids' books, they know what they're doing. Um, so Memfox and Roald Dahl both have amazing websites because they have pages for kids um, for parents and also for educators. Um, so, you know, you can tap into those three areas of the website um, um, there to get lots of information and lots of ideas and, you know, different ways to explore books together and activities. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, and then if you're just looking for um, some great recommendations, the Kids Book Review and the Children's Book Council both reviewed kids' books and they've also got... Um, you know, lists of books. Um, the Kids Book Review is fantastic. They've got recommended read lists that are actually by um, children. So on really obscure topics, like if you want books on eating your dinner or on unusual mothers or on, you know, how to use a potty, um, you can find some book lists there to help you out as well. You joke, but I already have two potty books in the house, so I know it's something. Yeah, I do. And mine are terribly tragic. I think I might need to write my own potty book. <laughs> <laughs> Great aspirations. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's needed. It's definitely needed. Um, and of course, one more question I'd love for you to share about the work that you're doing and, and maybe some of the workshops or, or even the, the Facebook page and anything that we could share with listeners to get in touch with you to find out more about your work and, and anything that you're doing. Yeah, sure. So, um, um, when I talked about, um, you know, being on maternity leave, um, it's been sort of just my personal little project to, um, I guess, backfill and explore what happens from birth to five years and the different experiences children have in learning to read. So um, I've 
um, presented to parents in a bookshop setting and childcare setting, um, just talking about some of these tips and how we can go about um, reading with kids. So um, I guess that's something I can do is give presentations um, and also um, private consultations um, if you have um, specific questions or um, um, struggles or challenges with your own child. I'm available um, to give, you know, phone consultations or face-to-face consultations for that too um, and um, doing private tutoring still at the moment until I start back at work um, and then on Facebook I just have a page called Literacy for Kids where I just post a bit like your mum's the word one Kaz we, we, you know we're reading about these topics anyway so anything yeah, I read yeah. yeah any articles or podcasts or quotes or you know research on children and reading I just pop that, that up there on the Facebook page the link so um, that that might be a nice one for parents to follow just to um, you know if they want to actually read some stuff themselves on children and reading um, and then I post a couple of lit tips a week just you know tiny little you know 50 word tips on um, how to enhance your reading experiences with your children um, and then I've also um, posted um, some tips for choosing books with your child in age categories you know so from birth to 12 months uh, one to two years two to five years that sort of thing so um, you know just so that you're looking for the right types of books um, based on their cognitive development and their stage of learning. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much. And, of course, I'll have those in the show notes uh, sure. as well as um, the recommendations that you had as well of uh, for parents. And, uh, well, this has just been really, really fun to do this together. And, um, yeah, thanks thanks for giving back. And uh, I know you're as passionate about your work as what I am about mine. So it's nice to share it with the greater community. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kaz. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been great fun. A pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.